0: Join, show reverence for the Lord as we join in hearing his word. Our Old Testament reading this morning comes from Psalm 118, 1 and 2, and verses 14 through 24. O oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. The Lord is my strength and my song, he has become my salvation. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Our New Testament reading is Colossians 3, one through four. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is Seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, how grateful we are to you for your word and the surety of it, and that you, Lord, stand behind your word, and that as we worship today, and as we come to this, your living word, we ask that you would help us by your spirit to hear, what it is that you have said to us concerning our Lord, your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, may you be glorified, and may you, by by your Spirit, enable the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts to be acceptable in your sight, because you are our rock and our redeemer. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Perhaps you recall the comic strip B.C. by Johnny Hart, that comic strip. Johnny Hart, he did a number of comic strips. He did The Wizard of Id and uh, B.C., but he had several Easter cartoons that laid out the gospel. And here's two of those. Do we have that slide? Uh, There we go. This is two of them. So the two cavemen are on the side of the hill. Did you know Pontius Pilate wrote Jesus, the king of the Jews, on the cross at Calvary? And the priest got really mad. So what did he do? The second caveman asks, and then he says, well, what I have written, I have written. I'll bet Shakespeare would kill for a line like that. And then two insects are, are there at the cross. I know they're bugs, but you know, I couldn't tell what type they were, if they were ants or if they were, I don't know, they were some creepy crawly thing. But it has a name, Jake. Yeah. Look, Jake, a note. Jake climbs up, up the cross and the other asks, what does it say to be continued? <laughs> you, notice, you notice in the background the empty tomb. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that the cross wasn't the end of the story? He is risen. risen Hallelujah. But someone might ask, so what? Aren't there other resurrection stories? Isn't the resurrection just a, a nice metaphor for beginning again, getting a fresh start, like the renewal of things, the spring after a long, hard winter? Isn't it just the cycle of things? And there are many who believe that that Christianity borrowed from ancient cultures and took from their resurrection stories. In Mesopotamia, it's the lovers Ishtar and Tammuz. Ishtar would travel to the underworld to rescue Tammuz, Elatu, who was another god, would sprinkle the water of life on them and they would live again and crops would grow and things would happen. Now, in Egypt, it was Osiris and Isis. Osiris is killed by Set, his brother, and he's chopped to pieces with parts of his body being strewn across Egypt. Isis would gather them, anoint them with oil, or take them through the embalming ritual and through this ritual, Osiris is resurrected to become God of the underworld. You see the Norse, the Norse have Odin sacrificing himself to himself and rising from the dead after nine days, much wiser and much stronger. You see, virtually every ancient culture has these myths and, and stories of resurrection. So why does Christianity's resurrection story matter more than any other ancient account in history? See, there are numerous reasons why Christianity's resurrection story is distinct and matters infinitely more than any of the myths of ancient cultures. Jesus is a real person, not like Odin. He's a real person, he's not a myth or a legend. And there were many who witnessed his life, his death, and his resurrection. See, Jesus' death was predicted long before he came. And when he came, he knew he was born to die. I must be about my father's business. He knew what he, was, what he came to do. In other stories, the gods didn't know that they were going to die. So Christ willingly came to die and gave his life a ransom for many he would say. He is God. That makes everything different. He's the creator. He's life itself. It's in him and from him. He is God who became man so that we might so that he might die and once for all destroy the one who had the power of death. That is the devil. That's what the book of Hebrews tells us. And now there were numerous witnesses who saw him alive after he rose from the dead. And while he lived, he revived others to life. That's not the case with those myths and those legends. You know, he also promises to raise all his followers to life. That's not the case with these other myths and stories. Christ's resurrection confronts everyone with the truth that he is Lord of all all. Christ says of his death and resurrection that it is the way to righteousness. It's the way to see God. His death and resurrection brings about justice and through his death and resurrection there is forgiveness with God and the power to forgive those who sin against you. His resurrection gets the renewal of all things started so, it's not just cycles that continue eternally. It's not, just a, it's not about crops. It's not about whether your chickens lay eggs. That's not what it's about. It's, it's about the recreation of all things in heaven and things on earth. So, this is what the sermon is about today. Christ rose from the dead, and if you are in Christ, you too have been raised. You've already been raised. So what's it all mean? Well, to answer that question, we need to know the what, the where, and the when of being raised with Christ. So specifically, what happened since you've been raised with Christ? Where your head should be since you've been raised with Christ? When Christ appears, since you've been raised with him, you too will appear. So three points. So, number one, what happens since you've been raised with Christ? Colossians 3.1 tells us, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. See, what a blessed thought that the, the apostle asserts. You have been raised with Christ. As this verse is connected, it connects us to the argument of chapter 2 and verse 20, where he says, If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? So what's he talking about? Well, in a word, he's talking about freedom. He's talking about freedom from false rules and order by which their lives had been governed before they came to faith in Christ. Paul calls these things in verse 22, human precepts and teachings. And of these things he says in Colossians 2.23, These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity of the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. You see that? Human precepts and teachings have no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. They appear wise, but they are no value. That's self-made religion, but it has no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. And now, isn't the church faced with these types of false teachings now? Don't we we see them in the world? Isn't self-made religion the struggle that many men and women, young and old, have? Doesn't technology... Give us the appearance of wisdom, and through technology and through so many and so many other things, we are, there are a lot of slogans are arise, have arise. Some slogans and, and they're rehearsed on, on social media and in the classroom and on nightly news, and, and then they're echoed in some pulpits across the land, and, and and they're made into governmental policy or law, and they have the appearance of wisdom. But it's a self-made religion that doesn't make you well. Since slogans and social media and self-help disciplines and human precepts and teachings are are unable to stop the indulgence of the flesh. You don't have to shout me down with any amens because you know it's true. See, the church at at Colossae is a church like the church in America and around the world that is under attack by false teachings. It assaults you every day. And what Paul is trying to to do is to help us to see the supremacy of Christ. He presents to us the truth that Christ is preeminent. Look what he says in chapter 1, verses 15 through 18. He might be preeminent. You see, that means, so preeminence is just another word for having the first place. Jesus holds the first place in everything. So there's no philosophy, there's no rule, there's no order, no deity, no government, no human that he takes a back seat to. No one or nothing can precede him or replace him. So what the false teachers were trying to promote appears wise, but it's powerless to change our sinful natures. And since Jesus holds first place, these are not his equal. They're not his equal. The two don't mix. Paul is saying there's no way that these things even compare to Christ. Christ is superior. He is preeminent. That's a good place to say amen. Yeah see have you, have you ever brought have you ever bought something that didn't work as advertised Yeah Yeah I, yeah back in my college days you know uh, I was a poor college student, like a lot of college students, you know, but I bought a, a Mercury Capri, a 1972 Mercury Capri. It was like 1983 or 82, I don't remember what year it was, but, you know, yeah, but it was a 1972 Mercury Capri. Some of you remember those things. I paid $1,000 for it, and I drove it from, from Chattanooga, Tennessee, to Omaha, Nebraska. I had to put more transmission fluid than gasoline in the car. I was not happy. I was, you know, I I thought I had a good vehicle, but it was it was really a piece of junk. No, no it was not what was advertised, and that's what false religions are. That's what self-made religions are. And that's what you have. So let's say, listen, if you reject Christ, that's what you have—a self-made religion. You have you have a false religion, and they're... And it has no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. So don't fall, don't fall for things that that call you to work harder at keeping the rules and, and following more regulations in order to gain God's favor. No, it's in Jesus Christ you already have God's favor. You, the text says, have been raised with Christ. He is everything that the Bible has advertised him to be. Hallelujah. Now that helps us to know point number two, where our heads should be since we've been raised with Christ. Look at verses one and two. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. So since you've been raised with Christ, seek things that are where Christ is. And this means the verb for both, for both seeking and setting is the same. And it, and it means to keep seeking, to keep setting. We're, and we're told to seek things that are above, set our minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. The seeking and the setting have the same target, where, where Christ is seated, above Above is where your head should be now that you've been lifted up to where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Christ rose from the dead victorious and is seated at the right hand of God. But what does that mean? So it's an allusion to Psalm 110 here. And the Psalm Psalm 110 says this, verse 1, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. So Christ has been raised and seated at the right hand of God where he is ruling until all his enemies are his footstool. And when something's your footstool, it's something that's made to serve you. And remember what the scripture says, by the way, death is the last enemy to be destroyed. That's 1 Corinthians 15, 55, somewhere around there. Yeah. Now, our Old Testament reading you know, this, that's what it describes. death. It tells us this about the performance of the right hand of God. Look at verse, verse 15, the latter half. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. He's, talk, he's talking about Jesus Christ. So Jesus reigns and he rules with strength and power to rise, to, to raise, and, and to lift up, to exalt. And so what does, this, but what does this powerful rule bring about? Well, the psalmist tells us the same thing. It's about, he said that it brings about salvation. Look at verses 14 and 15 of Psalm 118. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. But it also... Preserves life. Let's look at verse, verse seventeen of Psalm one eighteen. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. And so your head, so your head should be, since you've been raised with Christ, it should be above where Christ is ruling and dispensing grace in salvation and power that preserves the life of all who are in Christ. Paul is saying, keep seeking Christ's grace and this new resurrection life to rule in every area of your heart and life. This, see, you, this is your new identity, is what he's telling the Colossians. This is your new identity. You, and you are now in a new country. Hallelujah. Yeah, see, and as in a country, you know, you need a passport, right? You need a passport to gain access into the country. And Jesus, by virtue of his death and resurrection, he's our passport. Hallelujah. He, is given us, he gives us access to the highest place, the right hand of God. And see, in this passport, you understand, it has to be given to you. You can't make it yourself. You can't, yeah, you know, so yeah, even in America, making your own passport is a crime, right? You don't have to confess to, that you've done that. But, but yeah, so, so, so you can't make it yourself. It has to be given to you. It's your new identity. And since you are no longer of the earth, you set your mind on things that are above. Your identity is grounded in the place where your affections, shaped by your knowledge, lie. So where your head is matters. Because your understanding of the victory and confidence that you have in the resurrection of Jesus begins with how you think. Your mind, your affections must be set on being raised with Christ where he has no rivals. The right hand of God. He has no right. Eugene Peterson, in his introduction, in in the message to his introduction to the Colossians, he writes this he says, hardly anyone who hears the full story of Jesus and learns the true facts of his life and teaching, crucifixion and resurrection, walks away with a shrug of the shoulders, dismissing him as unimportant. People ignorant of the story or misinformed about it, of course, regularly dismiss him but with few exceptions the others know instinctively that they are dealing with a most remarkable greatness yeah do you believe do you believe that jesus has a remarkable greatness and if you say yes thank you <laughs> then you must believe that your time here on earth is best spent with your mind set on things above. And all your life is now seen from that perspective, the view from above. Now, C.S. Lewis said this. He writes this. He says, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. The apostles themselves who set on foot the conversion of the Roman Empire, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. And see, Jesus said it a little bit different, not as many words, because he said this in Matthew 6, 21. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. C.S. Lewis is pithy, but not as pithy as Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, see, Jesus is right now. Ruling everything, everywhere, and everyone. He's growing his kingdom through his people. Our hearts and heads are seeking things that are above because we are confident that the risen Lord is our returning king. And this is point number three. When Christ appears, since you have been raised with him, you too will appear. Look at verses 3 and 4. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. When Christ appears, your life that is hidden with Christ in God will appear. And you might ask, and it's a good question, what, what is this life doing while it's waiting for Christ to appear? So the the scripture, all through the scripture, we find out that what it is, what's happening is it's becoming like him. It's pursuing, it is pursuing him in our speech, in our love, in our affections, in our work, in our relationships with our fellow Christians and our neighbors. See, all that the believer is, is in Christ. We are in him and he is in God. Therefore, we are in God. We are inseparable. Hallelujah. I know you might hear that Natalie Cole song in your head, but don't don't pay attention to that. So much. We're inseparable. We are so much so that John writes in 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Hallelujah. See, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, is guarant- it's guaranteed that we will be like him. Since we are like Christ in his death, we will be like him in life. And God keeps us for that very reason. So, and this is true, you know, if you have things of great value to you, you do all you can to protect it don't you oh so so you know, pity the man or the woman who doesn't know how to secure their most valued possessions you you purchase insurance you buy a safe deposit box where you where where only your your most trusted and loyal person can access it because you want to preserve that item you know being in Christ is like god took his most valued treasure and locked it up in the safe deposit box of his son. And since he has no one as loyal to him as his son, he, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is the only person who has access to his treasure. Your life, the scripture tells us, is hidden in Christ, in God. When Christ appears, you will appear with him also. Is that good news? Kept. Peter says, by the power of God unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last day. Kept. Hallelujah. Yeah, you don't do it, he does. See, Christianity's resurrection story of Jesus Christ is not like any other resurrection story. See, this is God come down to earth. This is the creator taking on the body of the creature. This is the giver of life, giving himself over to death, not for any sin that he had done or any weakness that he possessed, but he takes on your sin and mine. But not only that does he take that on, but he takes on the injustices of the oppressed. He takes on himself, the weaknesses of the weak. This is the righteous one taking on unrighteousness in order to make the unrighteous righteous. You know why Jesus rose from the dead? Romans 14.9 tells us this. For this end... Christ died and lived again that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. And Peter. Preaching to Cornelius and his household. He says this in Acts chapter 10, verses 39 and 43, something similar, but he adds something. And he said, And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear not to all the people, but to us who he had chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to judge the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Are you getting a picture of why he was raised from the dead? Revelation 117, this is Jesus talking to John. He's him John falls out when he sees and he says, Fear not, I'm the first and the last, the living one, I died. And behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. See, this is good news that Jesus is raised from the dead to be the judge of the dead and the living. See, this is hope for justice. Do you think that there's no justice in this world? And some of you might think that I don't believe in God because there's no justice. There's no justice. There is justice. If you see Jesus Christ on the risen from the dead, there is justice. God is the, he has brought justice to bear and he is the one. He is so in Jesus you have you get both justice and salvation. Hallelujah. See Jesus is the reason why Christianity's resurrection story matters to everyone who hears. He's not merely important. He's not just one among many choices. He is in the first place. God all by himself. Hallelujah. Eugene Peterson, again, he's right, says, he said, but it is quite common for those who consider him truly important to include others who seem to be equally important in his company, Buddha, Moses, Socrates, and Muhammad, for a historical start, along with some personal favorites. For these people, Jesus is important, but not central." His prestige is considerable, but he's not preeminent. You see, you need, see, Jesus said, I'm the alpha and the omega. I'm the beginning and the end. You know, and I'm, and I'm everything in between. I'm, you, need, you need me. Keep setting Jesus as central. Keep seeking his preeminence. And I urge you, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, He's the only one who can give you righteousness. You can't get it on your own. And he gives you this righteousness. And if you, and if you have Christ as your Savior, you will sing the glad songs of salvation in the tents of the righteous. You will either submit to his rule as the risen king, receiving grace and shelter in Jesus Christ, or you will promote your own self-made religion Following human precepts and, and human teachings, which will do nothing to get rid of your sin or overcome death. So you either let him raise you or you sink and are crushed. There's no middle ground. So Christians, too, you now keep seeking christ's rule and in his reign in every area of your life because your life is hidden with christ in god and this is true of you right now now it doesn't matter what your circumstances doesn't matter what your physical what's going on you don't know what's going to happen in the future no, no uh, but God, your life is, you have been raised with Christ, your life is hid with Christ, and God, it is true of you right now, even if you're struggling with dementia. It's true of you right now, even if you're in the ICU and you're battling with delirium. This is true of you right now, even if you're, you're in a long-term care facility and your body is no longer responding to the signals that your brain is sending. It's still true of you that your life is hidden with Christ in God. It's true of you. If you, you've, been, you've been wanting a child and your arms have been empty, longing for, longing for a son or a daughter, and it hasn't happened for you yet, It's still true that your life is hid in Christ, in God. It's true of you if you're having difficulties in your job. It's true, it's true of you if if what is taking place is this darkness of depression that sinks your mind and takes you down and seeks to cast you down. It is true of you that you are exalted with Christ since you've been risen with Christ. It is true that your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when he appears, you too will appear. It's not always going to be this way. Hallelujah. Since you have been raised, understand what happens. Know where your head should be. Take hope in when he returns, he will uncover you. And you will be like him. He is risen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Ah, Lord Jesus, your resurrection we can't, Lord. Well, did the psalmist say, glad songs of salvation will we sing in the tents of the righteous. Lord, we do sing of your salvation. We sing of you with joy of you risen from the dead because of the hope that you have given to us. Oh, keep us by that same hope. Lord, in the onslaught of things that would seek to destroy our faith, Lord, help those who have been deconstructing to construct, to build their life on the things that you have revealed in your word in these truths of being raised with Jesus. Help us this week, Lord, this day, to walk in it for Jesus' sake, in whose name we pray. Amen.